0: You're listening to Whoaa. Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and entrepreneur here to share inspiring stories as much as I can, and to walk through everyday life with you. Hope you guys are doing well. Happy as much as possible. Staying safe and staying healthy and well, which is more than I could say for myself because I've been stuck at home sick for the last 10 days. It's been great. Um, Actually, today marks the 10th day and it is the final day of my quarantine and I am now a free woman, Um, but uh, still a little bit sick. So, this week's episode is a solo one, uh, no guest because I had to cancel some recordings because self-care <laughs> and, uh, monitoring and managing my health. So yeah, I just wanted to share a couple stories and reflections. Uh, one pretty on the heavier side and the second one less heavy, but I think just as, a, as significant. And I felt compelled to share it because I've been spending 10 days, like pretty much cooped up in my room thinking about life. I honestly, I'm very curious how this will be received, but honestly, um, I just feel like I'm very lucky to have incredible listeners who are very supportive and have been with me on a very unexpected, intense at times journey of growth. And I just, I love you guys so much and I really appreciate you being here with me and hopefully get something constructive and valuable and a new perspective out of this week's episode. So as you saw in the title... We're here to talk about panic attacks and chicken cutlets. Now, it is not lost on me that it just feels like the sky's been falling. And um, I'm not here, Norma, the kind of person to frame anything like everything's rosy and um, I just don't like that. I think it goes into the toxic positivity world and I'm not delusional. I'm not about a touch with reality. And I love science and I'm fascinated by politics, culture, all of it, and just humanity in general. So it's, I can feel it from the rest of the world and it's been really interesting, again, to be in quarantine, like in true quarantine of like I can't even really leave my place um, and interact with other humans even in the limited way that had been happening the last year and a half um, to witness all the things that have been happening. So if you're listening to this, At towards the end of August 2021, it's been a little bit crazy, which 2020, you think like 2020 prepped us for all of it, but 2021 was like, (laughs) hold my beer. It's been crazy with the fires. Like Greece has been on fire. Siberia is on fire. California is on fire. As always, we got a code red for humanity from the IPCC climate report from the International Energy Agency. Haiti got hit by an earthquake, like Haiti has been through so freaking much, it just blows my mind, like they can't catch a break and the death toll keeps climbing. Um, And then recently, the Taliban seizes Afghanistan, and thousands of people are fleeing their homes in despair, and they're fearing for their safety and their futures, and on top of the fact that like, we're dealing with all the things that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, which is doing our best to remain healthy. And in the stateside, I'm just like, again, those are all things like natural disasters and yada, yada, yada. Our natural disaster here in the state is, you know, the misinformation and the anti-vaxxers and the anti-maskers and this insanity that won't seem to end. I'm doing my best. I have been doing my best to reserve judgment as much as possible and to employ some level of compassion, but I'm just like kind of done. Like I don't, people are dying and the Delta variant is very real and it's just absolutely insane at this point. So all of those things, um, and the, you know, the continuing internal personal experience of being me, Minji Chang, and figuring out like, what do I want to do with my career? Am I ever going to have a family? Are my parents going to be okay? My parents are moving across the country. Just like my own relationships, my friendships, like all of those things that have just been in my own universe, like mulling around in my head and wondering, like, are, am I going to be okay? On top of, is the world going to be okay? Do I, does it make sense to even hope anymore sometimes? And I'm a very positive. I've been historically a very positive extroverted person. That I don't want to grow into like some bitter, cynical person, but there's those moments where like it just, it's a lot. So therefore, uh, this, this episode was actually inspired by some of the things that I was reading and watching and experiencing during this 10 day period that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, because there, I think some, hopefully some practical and, you know, personal on the verge of like spiritual. I don't know, practical and personal, like internal growth that can come out of this just doing just doing my part I hope so I saw this um, quote on Instagram please forgive me but yeah um, and it really kind of spoke to me because I had been in the process of deleting redownloading deleting, Redownloading downloading social media from my universe um, and trying to figure out what I wanted to consume because of this feeling of like the sky is falling and I don't know how to interact with it anymore and I don't want to be triggered by all these different people and different things. So there's like a form of self-care that I was working on and working on unfollowing, muting certain accounts just to like preserve as much of my mental health as I could. But this quote came across me and it really actually gave me a lot of hope right when I was in the middle of feeling Truly reaching the point of apathy and indifference—that's the part that scares me. Because if you guys haven't noticed from this podcast, I care a lot about a lot of things. That's the way that I've known myself. I've self-identified as a passionate person who is very values-driven, goal-goal-oriented. I'm a dreamer. I, I I dream big. Like I want to go big or go home. I've been that person, that girl, now woman for a long time. And to get into these like. Increasingly long dips of feeling really disillusioned and discouraged and wanting so badly to detach from everything and wanting to just give up in a lot of ways, just not care and then move into that place of apathy. that's that has been actually kind of I've sat with it because I was like, I don't want to be scared of this, but it it kind of scared me at points. So this quote that I saw reminded me of kind of the pure parts of my heart and what has given me a lot of fulfillment and joy and meaning in times of a lot of other kinds of crises in my life throughout a lot of different ages and stages. And this quote was, one way to keep your heart together when the state of the world weighs heavy on it is to simply help somebody, even if it is just one person. I'll say it again. One way to keep your heart together when the state of the world weighs heavy on it is to simply help somebody, even if it is just one person. Now I've done a lot of different roles, I've done a lot of jobs, I've been in a lot of different kinds of relationships, and I can say from experience, I really agree with that quote. and It was a good reminder that sometimes the best way to help myself was to step out of myself and my issues and my problems and my despair and my worry, my anxiety, whatever, and just do something nice for somebody. and do something of, of substance to help somebody's life be a little bit better or easier. And the concept of, you know, reminding self myself that it doesn't have to be a gazillion people. It can be just one and that counts. And that can be enough to get through that moment, to get through that day or that week or whatever. Now, I had 10 days stuck in this freaking place and I love my home. But like when you have that much time... And I was kind of incapacitated because I was I was sick and worried that I had COVID. Um, a lot of different types of thoughts enter your mind. Again, it's not just the what, like, okay, the what is the quarantine, but like the how and the when and the like, it's been a year and a half of this. And I'll provide further detail of like why I wanted to share the second story. But to get to the second story, the first story, that was the time frame and the situation in which I saw this quote and it really spoke to me. Was that, uh, my roommate got COVID. So I, uh, this is about two weeks ago, just under two weeks ago, if you're listening to this in August. And, um, I, we had been learning about the Delta variant and we're hearing about Delta variant. We're understanding that it's, it's much more, um, contagious that, you know, if you're vaccinated, which my roommate and I are both vaccinated, that it can still be spread. And so, You know, this was starting in July. This was, you know, even before my birthday, I remember feeling some type of way about even convening people to celebrate my birthday, which I had spent completely alone last year, which a lot of people spent a lot of birthdays alone. Um, And so even since July, there's like this hesitation and caution that I had been having in the back of my mind. The week um, that we're talking about that I found out this information, I was going to a baby shower and flying up to San Francisco to go to a baby shower to see my family, um, to see my little brother who was coming in from out of state to celebrate his birthday. And I was really excited about it. Um, also a little bit stressed out because my dad and I still weren't talking. Yeah, the fight that I talked about in a past episode about Father's Day back in June. Yeah, for two months, we weren't speaking. So I wasn't even staying with my parents, which is the first time ever. Like I'm not staying with my parents in the Bay Area because I, whenever I go to the Bay, I stay with them. So this was like a doozy. This fight was a big one and I was staying with a friend. So in preparation for that, I had stopped seeing as many people. I was, um, Doing less, you know, group gatherings and being more mindful with friends about like, Hey, have you gotten recently tested? I just want to be sure. And it's both for myself and for the, for the other people that I'm going to hang out with. I don't want to jeopardize our health. So I had done two tests that week. Both came back negative. So I was like, okay, I'm clear to fly. Huzzah. Like, let's go. My roommate texts me Saturday morning. I fly up to the bay, the ass crack of dawn. So I'm grumpy and tired, but my friend picks me up uh, from the airport, takes me to my other friend's place in San Francisco where I'll be staying. I'm unpacking. I've said hi. I've hugged. You know, her family was over for a birthday party that day. And I'd already hugged like what, seven people by then? And I receive a text from my roommate saying that he had hung out with somebody that tested positive for COVID. And that, so I was therefore exposed because I had seen him at home. The day before, so that was a that was a moment, and I just arrived, and I was like, "Shit, what do I do?" So in that moment, I, I went into you know my usual common chaos crisis mode, and that's my signature move. I stay really chill, and I get very stable and very like, "Okay, it's fine. Like, let's figure it out." So I start going through the process of like informing everybody, like, "Hey." this is what's going down. The baby shower that I was due at in a couple hours that my friend was lending me her car to go to and um, the friends that I was going to see there, my parents who I was hoping to see later that day, my brother, like all these other people, including my friend who had just picked me up from the airport, um, figuring it all out. I decided and it was uh communicated to me like, It was not good if I went to the baby shower, they didn't feel comfortable with that. My friend who I was staying with, I did not feel good about staying there and she felt the same and she was super kind about it and felt so bad, but you know, there are kids in that place and they're going to see their grandparents and stuff like it was not going to be a good situation to potentially expose because I had no idea if I had COVID, if I had the Delta variant. So for everybody's safety, I scrapped all my plans, like repacked all my stuff, including the gifts that I hauled. and like um, booked another flight back to LA that very evening. (laughs) I landed at like eight o'clock that morning. So that was fun. Um, and my friend picked me up, the one who had picked me up from the airport and dropped me off being really supportive of like, Hey, don't worry about it. Like, you know, like we can go hang out until you have to get back to the airport. Cause I literally got there and this was around like what, 12 noon or one o'clock, like immediately had to go. Um, so yeah, it was like it was rapid fire. Like I needed to figure out the next steps I needed to make decisions and I was really really bummed. And so that's the reality of the situation and and so I had some hours to kill before I went to the airport. So these are the things that were running through my head is that I was physically very calm, intellectually like rationally very calm, very rational in terms of like really just sitting there trying to wonder how long was I exposed to my roommate? Like we weren't around each other very much that day. It had to have been like, but then wondering and like literally sitting there Googling like how contagious is the Delta variant? um, How many breakthrough cases have there been, which is pretty low, but still like really wondering what are the chances that I got it? So the funny thing, the reason why I wanted to share this is like just as a PSA of like it happened, it, it has ha- been happening to friends and there are increasing cases that I know in my direct circle of people who have gotten... The delta variant of COVID breakthrough cases. The vaccine works though, because it has been minimal. They don't need to go to the hospital, which is the point. But like knowing that this thing that I had been trying to avoid and do my very best to be vigilant about and be careful about and avoid people for and all this stuff for the last 18 months, the fact that I was now worried that I might have it was a lot to process. The funny thing is, the truly funny thing is, like again, rationally, I was like. Talking to myself, I was doing my reality checking that my therapist has taught me, really working on calming myself down and staying as positive and even just neutral as possible. But in the process of this, you guys, I'm sitting in the car, Googling, trying to figure things out, and also engage with my friend and stay really jovial because that's also what I do. I'm like, oh my god, it's fine. Like everything's great. And oh, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, like I don't know who I'm trying to convince, him or me, probably both, but. I started getting chest pains. But immediately, of course, like I was like, "Oh my god, I have COVID." Because one of the symptoms is like pressure in your chest and chest pain and like not being able to breathe. I was having an anxiety attack. Now this this went on for hours and in the middle of it I was just like really working on holding it together. And the weird thing is that nothing else besides the chest pain, I didn't feel jittery, I didn't feel like I couldn't breathe. But the chest pain was very real. And I genuinely, like, I don't know what a heart attack feels like. But I wondered, I was like, is this COVID or am I having a heart attack? Or is it, please tell me it's a panic attack or like anxiety attack. But my mind tends in some crisis mode. At a certain point, I can get very catastrophic about a lot of things. But in that moment, like, yeah, chest pains, I was like, I'm going to die and or I have COVID, and therefore I'm I'm going to be like that one breakthrough case that ends up in the ER and on a ventilator. It doesn't matter that I got vaccinated. Why did I do all of this? It was it was all of that. So I just felt like it was a really interesting indicator, and this lasted for hours because it started around between one to two p.m. And it was I was checking in on myself up until the time I got on the plane, which was at seven o'clock at night at seven p.m. So good five to six hours. I I was like experiencing waves of chest pains and genuinely scared that I had COVID. And then also managing, I was like, oh shit, if I have COVID that I, I need to get away from everybody as much as possible. Like I can't get anybody else sick. Why did I even book a flight back to LA? I need to get a car. Like, should I get a car? But if I go to the car rental place, will I infect the people at the car rental place? It was all, it was a mess. When you freak out, you freak out. I was freaking the hell out. And on the outside, though, I was staying pretty smiley and, and or quiet. But it was a reminder that like our bodies, uh, they know better. <laughs> and sometimes you reach a point where like your body, you can't lie to yourself anymore because your body is going to slap you in the face a little bit. And that was a very big slap in the face of, no, you're not okay, Angie. You're not okay. Um, and at one point during the car ride where my friend is being so nice and just trying to like play music and keep it really lighthearted and stuff. It's like, it's fine. Like, let's go find like an outdoor thing that we can like hang out blah, blah, blah. It was great. It was very kind. But uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and at some point I was like, he's like, are you okay? Like he noticed I was checking my phone a lot. I was like, um, have a little chest pain. He's like, oh, Okay, we'll take deep breaths, like you're going to be fine. It's okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be fine. And then it cracked and then like the tears started, you know, tumbling a little bit, but I held it together. The mind is a very strategic and complicated thing sometimes and just goes into survival mode. Like I think my survival mode is always to get really, really chill and to get guarded and like in a way shut down to a degree. I think it's my brain's way of like Guarding me from my own self, from my catastrophizing, from all of the intense emotions that can overwhelm and overtake me and shut me down. Really, in a different way, because I just—it was so weird that I, like, I didn't feel any other symptoms. I didn't feel like I was emotionally freaking out. But once it cracked, and once I realized and and admitted out loud, like, yeah, I don't feel like I'm okay. I think that's when I started to like brave through it a little bit more, and it was the beginning of it getting better. Didn't get better right away, but like admitting it and then starting to breathe and like just acknowledging it—I don't know. So breathe through it, acknowledge it. It's normal. Please take care of yourself. If it gets like dire, like do get medical help if you need it. But that was that was a frightening moment, Um, very eye-opening for me because I, I constantly work on this whole like strong Minji Wonder Woman thing, and I'm like, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm okay, I'm great, and then I always get reminded like. <laughs> Well, yeah, you're great and you're also really not great and you need to acknowledge that and stop denying. Don't be, we're not in denial wherever, like stop it. So that was a good reminder. The last 10 days have been crazy. I have been sick and I have had four negative COVID tests. So my roommate did test positive and then it's been a whole fiasco of staying isolated in uh, our rooms, him and his room, and like not entering the shared space unless we were wearing masks. Um... Also, I live in the valley up in LA where it's hot as balls, you guys, and it's August. And, um, whatever Santa Monica is, like whatever the beach is in LA, it's like 15 to 20 degrees hotter where I live. We don't, we have central AC and like we weren't running it because, uh, didn't want to get COVID. So, uh, yeah, we're like sitting in a sauna in our homes. I'm sick. Like I'm having a low fever, not able to sleep well, having a massive headache, just super fatigued he's going through his thing and he was like bad for a couple nights, but otherwise, okay. We're just both feeling like shit and like going through trying to feed ourselves and like not die and stay hydrated and not die of sweating to death. I don't know. It was, it was, it was a lot. And um for me, because I work as a voiceover actor and that's my, you know, Just not being able to audition or work or like have the capacity to be alert and able to act and do my job and not line up the next series of potential jobs, like it freaked me the hell out. I was like, what if I go to the hospital and what if I have to pay for it? And what if I, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if, if, and how am I going to pay for that? So it's a really big challenge of learning how to calm myself down, take precautions. And like this whole last year and a half has been a really good teacher of that of managing the feelings of all of the totally reasonable anxiety... But figuring out a way to like deal with it in a way that's not going to further harm myself, not lower my immune system, not going to drive me crazy, not make me do rash and crazy things and just take care of myself properly. Like it's a its a lot for any one person to manage. So if anybody else is out there that's been dealing with that, got sick themselves or have had to care for other people who are sick around them and had that anxiety of just like, it's so much to manage. There's so many details. Like literally I went out and bought like a Amazon air purifiers and like... So those are just reminders um, that the Delta variant is real. So wear your freaking mask, get tested regularly. I really recommend that. And I totally understand the feeling of like, I'm vaccinated. I've done everything right. I don't want to care right now because I have reached my ceiling like way before and I don't want to care. Like I'm just going to live my life and whatever. Like I understand that. I get it. But I really don't think you want To actually get sick, nor do you want to be responsible for getting other people sick, because this was the most real experience of like feeling like I was jeopardizing my own health and other people's health by potentially spreading this virus. That again, we are pretty safe from if we're vaccinated, but really wondering, like, I don't know what the outcome of someone else's health condition is going to be. On top of the fact, like, I genuinely am like, what are the long term effects of COVID? They're sharing all these reports that I think are actually, if we make campaigns, I'm talking from like a public health background myself. Like, why are we not talking more about like that? It, I think it, it's like five times more likely that guys will get erectile dysfunction. I might check me on that. I just read it somewhere and I was like, if that's real, that's a very effective campaign to even the anti-vaxxers. <laughs> like that will get like all men vaccinated. I feel like I'm just saying. I, I'm learning all these things and on a very serious note, because ED is serious, like affects many lives. It's not something... Well, no, that's not true. I have wished it on people anyway. But like the long-term mental health issues and things like that of just how we don't know what those long-term effects are going to be. And I don't want to mess with that. And I don't want to... I just hate it being sick even the last 10 days and sounding like trash. That. So... In the 10 days, I was doing my best to like care for myself, to read books, to watch movies. One of the films that I watched was this documentary called This Changes Everything. And um, it's on Netflix. It's on there right now if you care to watch it. And it was something that really, really spoke to me. And I realized it's something I'd wanted to watch for a long time. But when your ass is sick and you can't really be upright, it's a good time to watch some films. But uh, it's a documentary from 2018. And it takes a look at gender disparity in Hollywood And it's all through the eyes of, you know, well-known actresses and filmmakers and lesser-known actors, actresses and lesser-known filmmakers. And it just analyzes from an experiential standpoint down to very substantial data and research of the discrimination against women in front of and behind the camera. Now, I work in Hollywood. I want to be a filmmaker. I've been in the acting game for almost 10 years, doing a variety of smaller projects, doing voice acting and all that stuff. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings and perspectives about that whole thing of being talent and being a performer and wanting to be a storyteller and having been so involved um, from like the fest- film festival circuits at Sundance and South by Southwest and Tribeca and Toronto and like learning how all of that works and getting to know so many storytellers myself from my work that I've done for the last 12 years and, you know, having friends of mine who are literally, you know, getting nominated for Academy Awards and understanding how that all works. I've always grown up as somebody that cared about representation. I'm a person that cared about, I I think I've always just been a feminist by nature. Um, and the more that I understood it from like a more structured perspective, like, yeah, I'm a feminist. I believe in equality and representation and access to resources for women. And I, I think from many different angles i think one of our largest like untapped resources the largest untapped resources is the mind of a woman and it it appalls me it hurts me it sickens me it enrages me it devastates me to see how continuously and systematically and pervasively women are exploited oppressed suppressed condescended objectified it just hurts me and it's like an injury to my soul. <laughs> it's like attacking everything that I am, you know? Um, it's like, just human. Like doing that to any person, it makes me hurt inside. Uh, but the collective oppression of women it makes me ill. Literally, because this shit stresses me out and stress actually does. <laughs> Speaking from that chair right now, it really does mess up your ability to have the energy and strength to fight off viruses and bacteria and all other sorts of illnesses. So, when all of this stuff that has been happening around the world and feeling this hopelessness, I wondered what I could do to make my stamp on it. One of the things was continuing to work on the film projects and my pilot and the things that have been like, that have been procrastinated on for literally years at this point. That was one thing that I, I'm glad to have done. Um, so this, this documentary that I was watching was driving a lot of thought in me because I had to watch it in chunks, by the way, because I couldn't consume all of it in one sitting. I was just, I didn't have the brain capacity. But I worked on the films and I just felt a lot of motivation and understanding, hearing the stories and seeing the data to understand what has been happening with the absence of female voices. When you think of... I, I, I know that Hollywood's really big and I also know that it's really small. Like, there's so many other film industries and so many incredible artists around the whole freaking world and outside of LA for damn sure, um, that are not connected to this particular universe. And I I honor that, respect that, appreciate that. And I also acknowledge the influence of things that are created within this tiny little ecosystem the same way that I grew up in the Bay Area and I know the impact of what happens in that one tiny little region of the earth and how much of the world, the things that have started and are supported and created there impact the rest of the world. That's not up for discussion. It is incredibly influential. It is a huge export of... California, of of LA, of the United States, we export culture to the world. We dictate a lot of what other people consume and then interpret as something aspirational or something to be idealized or something to subscribe to and replicate in their own countries. I'm not saying it happens overnight or it's gonna happen, but these are influential things that make us look at each other and ourselves in a significant way. It's not the entire thing, but it's an influence and it's a pretty big one at that. It's a very profitable, influential component. And it makes me kind of sick because, again, I see how the sausage is made more and more every single day. And that blows my mind because when I step outside of L.A. and I see the influence that the things that people that I know more and more directly and, and see, you know the content of their character, their work ethic or lack thereof. Like it makes my brain melt a little bit of like, are you, are you really kidding me? Like you're following, huh? Like what? Frightening, frightening. I tell you. And there's also people that I'm like, I think you're like the best human being on the planet. And we are so lucky that you're making things. Please continue to be, you know, the musician that you are, the producer that you are, the writer that you are. There are also those people too. It's a mix of everything. So Watching this documentary, there was one point in particular where the actress Chloe Moretz, who's a beautiful, talented, incredible, like, firecracker. I love her. She's graceful. Like, she's elegant. I don't know. There's something, like, very pure, and I, I think she's lovely. So Chloe Moretz uh, shares an experience that she had being an actress at the age of 16, and she was in you know arriving on set, coming to her trailer to see her wardrobe and her outfit for that day. And at 16 years old, she also noticed that along with her outfit, there were a pair of chicken cutlets. Again, for the uninformed person, chicken cutlets are these like silicone rubbery plastic stick on booby thingies that add a cup or three, whatever, uh, to a woman's breasts. And so she was 16 and she's looking at this and like investigated a little bit. She asked like, oh, okay, so um, whose decision was this? like, why do I have to wear these? And the feedback that she got at the end of the day was that it was a studio decision, which again, just hearing these facts, not even any opinions about it, but hearing the fact, I was like, wow. And so, yeah, she pointed out the wowness of a group of adults in a room with lots of money and power decided that one of the things that needs to be integrated into this piece of art, quote unquote, this product is that Chloe's Breasts are not big enough, and so we need to allocate time, energy, and money to obtain chicken cutlets to enhance "quote unquote" her boob size. That, in addition to all of the data that I was consuming, and like the the, the experiences, reliving all of the different ways that I have felt this like disservice that I think women have had in this industry of not having our perspectives. Our representation, like, from down to, like, cinematography, when you think of, like, just if you guys care to look up the difference between Patty Jenkins' version of Wonder Woman versus Zack Snyder's. His is so sleazy and nasty, and I think he needs... I'm just saying, like, I think it's so gross, like, how he made Wonder Woman gross when she was just so perfectly wonderful as she was when she was created. the difference between the male gaze and the female gaze. Why I cried watching Wonder Woman the first time and why I didn't want to bother watching the second one or the version of... Wonder Woman and Zack Snyder's film after watching the trailer, I was just like, I don't want to pay money for this. Like, I feel I give zero, I give zero fucks. And being in a place where, like, I've gotten scripts where, like, I was like, this is such a caricature. This is not how women think. This is not how women would respond in this situation, offering my perspective on it, having it overlooked. Things like that, you know, general, just like being absolutely invisible and irrelevant in the creation of the narrative that is a female's existence. That's been a problem for a very long time. Again, watch the documentary. You can learn for yourself. But coming back to chicken cutlets, this is something that like really, really like was a thorn in my side. And I was like, I don't know why, because it feels so small, but it's so representative of so many things that I think are wrong and so poisonous to a lot of women. I will also say I'm a person that loves to dress up. I love to wear dresses. I love makeup. I love high heels. I don't know how much I can wear them anymore, but I love them. I love to feel sexy, and I think that there's so many different ways that I have felt sexy. It's not always about showing skin or like, you know, wearing something tight. Like I felt sexy in sweats before. Like there's so much, so much about myself um, and the experience of being female and the ways that we can express it that I, I myself love and celebrate. So I'm in no way. I just think it's it's fun to feel good and feel pretty and feel hot, however that shows up. The thing that I have an issue with when I and now that I'm a more grown woman is reflecting on all the years since puberty, which is well over 25 years at this point, of actions, behaviors, the money I've spent, the impact it has had on my life, and whether those behaviors were good and whether I would recommend them to a friend (laughs) or if further, I would recommend them to my younger cousins, to my nieces, to my future children. Would I replicate them? And there's parts of it that, yeah, I would. And there's a lot of it that I would not. This includes the chicken cutlet thing. Okay. Also, I'll say like dressing up includes like Halloween and stuff. Creating other personas and stuff is really, really fun. So if it's those things, it's for something that you like because you experiment in it and find joy and like, Being a different version of, dude, have at it. But here's my, my perspective of why I feel such rage when I thought of chicken cutlets. And when I heard Chloe's story, I got mad on her behalf of like, why does she need that? Like, it is being dictated to her from somebody else who is in a higher place of power. A lot of men who have no idea what it's like to experience being a woman and being, treating their lead actress, you know, as a thing that needs to be quote-unquote enhanced in that way. It's just so icky. It's icky and it's gross and it's demeaning. And like me recognizing how much I've accommodated and like done so many mental, emotional, physical gymnastics, you know, figuratively speaking, like how much I have contorted myself to fit the image of what I think a man should Like or would like, because that's been what has been regurgitated at me throughout my entire freaking life. Everything from the pop culture down to like how my family, my church, my friends, my boyfriends have treated me, how we've, my girlfriends and I even treated each other and how much we subscribe to stuff that didn't come from our own agency and from the things that we like. It came from us trying to fit this like sick, unattainable mold of like what it means to be a woman. And then just subscribing that to that so deeply on like a soul level that for me, there are years of my life where like I couldn't leave my house or go to any public space without wearing makeup. And the chicken colored thing. Here's the thing. It is served two purposes. Cause like if we wanted to wear something that wasn't, uh, that didn't cover bra straps. And that's the other thing. Like we'll get into that in another episode about the policing of, of the, dress codes at school and the hypocrisy is absolutely just policing women's bodies and like making us the guardians of, you know, we're the purity keepers, you know, like, and if, if, if we show a shoulder, God forbid, we will tempt our brethren into sin, like that shit. Like, again, that's part of it. (laughs) Like, to me, it's an extension of the chicken cutlet, but like the chicken cutlets served As like a makeshift bra when you didn't want to wear bras with straps or whatever. Like you have a backless halter or all these other cute outfits. Like it served a purpose, right? It was utility. Um, And there's another conversation out of that about freeing the nipple. We'll talk about that another time. I just remember all of the ways that I made it such a big deal. And then it was just such a key part of my wardrobe. So it served a purpose, but it was always to like make my boobs look better And bigger, and I just even on a like a climate change perspective, like how much plastic did I waste, and for what purpose, right? Like here, okay. One of the story, one of the embarrassing stories that I'll share that I'm like okay with is that senior year of college, I decided to do the slutty Halloween outfit. Okay. It included a push-up bra and chicken cutlets because God forbid, like my small, being a petite, you know, Korean girl and the embarrassment of being flat chested and not having any side boob or any cleavage, like it was just like, that was the thing I always wanted. And I had literally been in a toxic relationship where my ex commented on my body, including my breasts every day. And I had been planning to get breast implants for a long time, um, but had taken that back And reclaim my power and opted for chicken cutlets instead. And I did the whole like slutty Halloween costume thing where uh, I'm wearing a dress, but a large portion of it is unzipped for the purpose of displaying the bra and my manufactured cleavage. So obviously the point of that was, you know, I'm not like it was to entice a boy and I succeeded. So the embarrassing part was like that we're making out. And it was escalating. And I was drunk. And even in my drunkenness, I still remember clear as day freaking out about my chicken cutlets like, oh, like, oh, my God, he can't like touch my boobs because he's going to find out they're all fake and it's going to be weird and it's going to be awkward. So like not even present in this like thing that I had been daydreaming about and like wanting to make happen. Um, No, I was drunk and freaking out about my stick on boobs that I needed to figure out what to do with fast. The details are a little bit hazy at this point, but I, I ultimately, I think I like told him that I needed to go to the bathroom, which I did. (laughs) And I went to the bathroom and I was like, I think the room was spinning, but I still managed to like take them off and I had a clutch or something. So I couldn't even fit the freaking cutlets in the clutch even. So I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And, um, yeah. So I, I think I wrapped them in like a towel or a shirt or something and hit them in a corner. And it was, it was great. And then, you know, it's just like, it's so counter, this is just my opinion for myself. For me, it was like very counterproductive because once I achieved said goal, like, (laughs) and as soon as the bra came off, it was so clear. It was, no, those weren't real, you know? So I had created manufactured cleavage. That's just one. Like, I've worn them to so many different occasions, like every gala, every, a lot of major events, like just for security's sake. And they get sweaty and like, it's just a pain in the ass. Girls, like if you're listening and you understand, it is a pain in the ass to manage. I am not the girl that goes to a club and then sits there and sips drinks all pretty. I am a very sweaty person. I like to dance. So I'm that girl like that took a thimble of alcohol because that's all it takes for me to get buzzed. And I'm like out there. Busting a groove to E40. Yeah, I'm that old. I'm an elder millennial. Like dancing, getting gross, and like it's falling off too. So it's like I can't even like dance properly. I'm holding my boobs up because my chicken cutlets are falling off. Because those are heavy too. It's not even like they're light. Anyway... When I think of all of the hassle that I went through, when I think of all the money that I spent and you have to replace them, because guys, just FYI, like the chicken cutlets, like especially after you sweat and stuff, and like I sweat a lot as a person, they get gross and they stop being sticky. And then if you store them improperly, which, you know... Sometimes like that was the time of like, this is why Minji can't have nice things, but I would, you know, take them off and throw them in my drawer or like leave them on my bed they get lint on them. It's like, it's nasty. So I, you can't just have like be one and done. I bought like, like 20, 25 pairs of those over my lifetime in the last however many years. When I add all that money up and the emergency ones that I bought, because I wouldn't, I have like five pairs at home, but I'd have to buy one when I'm out, you know, traveling for some occasion. And like, I didn't bring any with me. So I just go to a store and buy it. Like I'm that chick. The amount of money I've spent on just chicken cutlets alone, I could have gone to Europe probably twice, or at least once, at least once. It's It's a Euro trip that I instead spent on floppy pieces of silicone that were annoying to manage that got gross. And that didn't, I don't know, how much did it edify my life? Because that's what was in style, and those are things that like I just took as fact. Because that's the part of being young is like you you acclimate to whatever the a lot of the popular culture is at that time, and at that time, that's what it's been. Right now, I do think as a grown woman, what I'm going through, I've I've realized is going from a self improvement mindset to a self liberation mindset, which is. Maybe there's nothing wrong with me or never was. And maybe the real work that I'm doing is to find out and unleash who I really am as a person and just learn how to be okay with that. And I wasn't lacking. I wasn't inadequate in some way, which I have felt and still feel a lot as, as a young woman and as a girl. And what are all the ways that like that has played out in my life? And I'm, I live in one of the most privileged places in the world, literally in Los Angeles. Like, I, it's not lost on me. And so I don't want to waste that. And I feel so embarrassed. Like, I genuinely thought so much about, like, am I going to talk about this on air and actually publish this live on well, first of all, which I feel like I've shared more intimate parts about myself and my experiences. But for some reason, there's a lot of shame even around admitting this. Like, I want to be able to be the kind of person that laughs about it and just like, oh, my God, it's not a big deal. And there are those girls out there and I envy the shit out of them. Like, good on you for not caring about what other people think. I'm really working on it. But historically, I've cared so much about what people think of me. And I wondered if people would hear the story and be like, is she really talking about this? And is this what really she wants to talk about? In the same episode as mentioning like the Taliban in Afghanistan, the way that, hear me out, the way that I was like connecting the dots is like there are all these like insidious, shameful, embarrassing, but very, very intensely real and sensitive parts of ourselves that maybe we don't even think about consciously on a day-to-day basis that I think hinder women for sure in this, in this instance. And I'm sure that everybody else, whatever you identify with outside of being female and having breasts and stuff, like Those little insidious things that hinder you from being your fullest self, from showing up and feeling like you have the confidence to speak up on your own behalf, to feel like you have value in this world, to not apologize for your own existence or for like having smaller breasts or not having side boob or whatever the, like whatever the requirement is to be quote unquote beautiful. And also I get so uppity about like, says who? Like, I think there's so many different kinds of beautiful people. I'm genuinely like in awe but when you see like the choices that are made in my own industry historically at least and it's changing a lot now what are we telling the world and what are we telling young girls and what are we telling young boys about who is desirable and who has value and who's worth being heard and being seen and freaking matters and also it gets boring like I'm bored I'm so sick of like I don't know. It just, it gets wild. Like, I, I don't want to turn this into Rand on Hollywood. I've, I've said enough. But, like, these are the things that I think, the way that my logic was, like, if I can do my part to help influence the circle that I have, the people that I care to listen and let them feel seen in this, yeah, in some cases it's complete nonsense and it's so dumb sometimes, but it's also very real. Like, if you came at me and told me that my feelings about... Chicken cutlets were stupid and like dom, or if you or anybody minimized it, I would be pretty pissed and hurt inside because I was like, you have no idea what it has felt like to be in my brain and in my body and to feel sorry for showing up, looking the way that I do, like having an apologetic mentality and spirit when I am now finally getting into the space of like, I don't have anything to be sorry for. I'm not. I'm I'm a person that. Has a lot of other qualities besides my physical appearance. A, B, my physical appearance has never been like whenever I look back on these photos of myself from all the years before, like it hurts because I just remember like how much I hated myself and still have remnants of that now. Like, gave myself so much grief for based on who, based on whose standards. And whose preferences? I straight up didn't believe certain people when they approached me or when they told me that they were interested or attracted to me because I didn't believe them. I thought that they were fucking with me. I was like, you're really mean. Or I thought they were making fun of me, or like just saying it to be nice. Like I couldn't receive compliments. I couldn't fully feel good in myself. And then I'd lash out at people in certain different ways because it was just like it was all so conflicting within me, you know? I would have awkward relationships with females because, like, that girl over there who's my friend who has perfect boobs and has a perfect nose and has all the other things that I don't have. She has skinny arms and doesn't have muscular legs and all these other things. Like, you have no place. Like, in my heart, I would harbor resentment towards her. I wouldn't have the same compassion towards her because I'd be so jealous and envious of her that she had all the things that I didn't have. And being around her triggered my own insecurity. So I couldn't even be like a proper friend. And I, just like would minimize her hardships that whatever she was going through and wanting to share with me. I'd just be like, are you kidding me right now? Like who are you to even complain? Like you're physically perfect. So shut the fuck up. Like I'd have those feelings. It's it's just the list goes on and on. The ways that we hinder ourselves because of these small things that may seem very harmless at the time, but over a lifetime they add the hell up, whether that's financially, whether that's mentally, emotionally, they add up and I think that they're worth examining and honestly like liberating ourselves from that is the intention behind me telling the story or sharing my rants about how a documentary that I watched in the middle of my quarantine wondering if my life was going to end in one way or another or whatever I knew it wasn't going to but like really just having these existential crises and a continuation as the world continues to feel like it's crumbling around us I was like this is this is the thing that I'm going to share because maybe someone else has thought about it and they just thought it was too silly or like, I don't know, like whatever. It doesn't matter. And maybe they have and bless your heart for doing that. Thank you. I genuinely was also inspired because I consumed a lot of TikTok. It's silly because I was like, I'm taking off Instagram. I'm not going to go on Facebook, but TikTok. (laughs) I just happen to really love my algorithm. And I, I have a lot of dope creators. I personally love TikTok and I do know it's very dangerous and addictive. And I did reach the point where TikTok literally gave me that warning of like, okay, you know, scrolling super fun, but maybe it's time to stop now. I actually got that you guys. So it went a little far. I had a lot of time on my hands, but I just realized like the kind of content that I was consuming on my TikTok. And I was very grateful to see were people just everyday people like you and me who deal with stuff like this on the regular, who all share that openly and the amount of support that they get and the amount of people when I look in the comments of commiserating with that, being, you know, just like kind and empathetic and sympathetic and sharing epiphanies that they're having, like realizing, Hey, I never thought about this. I never even realized that was that aspect because I've only been experiencing this. I didn't even realize like you feel this way. Just those were very good for my soul. They were good for my psyche at that time. I needed to go to sleep. So it was good that they cut me off. Um, but that was also part of why I was inspired to share this because I don't think that these things are stupid. And if anybody out there is listening to this and have felt a fraction or any part of what I have been talking about in your way or about chicken cutlets, actually, like I just want you to know that I see you and I feel you and I understand the struggle is very, very real. And I'm with you. Like just, I want, I want us to be able to. Reclaim our power, reclaim our time, reclaim our money. And the byproduct is, I'm just saying, on a practical level, spend less money on stupid shit that doesn't matter and things that are harming the climate. I will have a guest at some point because my new producer, Anna, is going to help me bring on an awesome person to talk about climate change, about uh, fast fashion and especially for women and how that's impacting the climate. But I, like, for so many reasons, I don't ever want to purchase chicken cutlets again. I have my stick-on bras. I'll take good care of them and I'll have like two pairs that I use if I need them. I'm even like wondering about that. So we'll talk about that more in a different episode. But this one, it's just for, you know, my peeps who understand where I'm coming from and letting you know that you're not alone. I think the more that we can liberate ourselves and each other from these things that that may be embarrassing or comical, like how much of our minds and our hearts and our self-esteem they occupy... I want to evict them. Like they are no longer to take up space rent-free in our hearts and in our minds. Because frankly, this is the other way that I connected all this in the web that is my mind. We have bigger things to care about. Do you know what I mean? I'm grateful that I'm older now. And I thankfully have the luxury of like, having moved out of that stage a little bit, even though I'm still single and I would love to figure out what my future looks like and that would include enticing a partner, (laughs) whatever that means. But hopefully I can do that as more of my authentic self and not having to rely on these things that ultimately just cause me a lot of uh, credit card debt and uh, stress. We don't need that. And all that being said too, with what I said earlier about the untapped female mind, like the more that we are preoccupied with stuff that like I'm saying... I understand I'm coming out very like I could be construed as like sounding annoying big sister holier than thou. Let me tell you condescending. I don't mean it that way. I mean it with all the love in my heart. I want you to think about all the other things that you love and that you want to do and that you want to build and that you want to create and experience and enjoy and help with and conquer like those deserve way more attention than like your boob size. It is it, They deserve it. You deserve it. And so this is my rally cry for a liberation of that. And I also say that from a privileged woman standpoint, because I'm very aware of the privilege that I have, is that we bear, we have that privilege and an, a responsibility and an opportunity to help liberate other women. And there are a lot of people that are suffering right now, especially like, again, it feels so... I'm fully aware, guys, that I'm talking about this and talking about Afghanistan. It feels absurd, but I'm in my mind like whatever it takes even if it takes talking about these things like so that we can clear up that space and resolve that and heal it and move on so that we can help our sisters out. I know that everyone out there is so capable of so many things and it takes the whole world right now to help the rest of the world out. It's not going to happen because of one person, but every person does need to do their part. And no longer just again, like drowning in all this other meaningless stuff at the end of the day. Not meaningless because it means something, but like if there's other things that we can do, I want to be able to help get us there. I want to help you get there, help me get there. That is the intention. So thank you very much for listening to this um, episode on the harrowing experience of living 20 feet away from COVID, surviving it, and chicken cutlets. That is this episode. I believe in all of you guys. I hope that This wasn't a complete waste of your time. And I hope that it was entertaining. I hope that it provided a different perspective, maybe that you didn't know before. I care about all you guys. There are many ways that we can stay safe and healthy. Hopefully, talking about self-consciousness about boob size is one of them. can create more empathy and forgiveness and all of that. So let it all go. Like, let it go. Let it be. Just I'm deciding... Every day to be like, I'm not gonna, I'm not letting this stuff bother me as much as humanly possible. So go handle everything and we gotta take care of each other right now. Seriously. Like everybody counts. Everybody's energy and contribution counts right now. The earth literally needs us. Other people around the world need us. They need our encouragement, our positivity, our attention, our care, our money, whatever. Like, Wherever we can channel those things, let's do it. So thank you to Marvin my audio engineer and producer. Thank you to my other producer, Anna Sun, for being wonderful, helping me get this episode out. And to Juliana, who's helping me with marketing. You guys are my team. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Um, thank you to my Patreon patrons. If you guys want to back um, First of All podcast, you can go to firstofallpod.com and find links to everything, including my pod, uh, Patreon. And this week's shout out is to Sylvia Lowendorf. Sylvia, you're an incredible woman. You're strong. You're a mother. You're an actress and creative and a powerhouse. And I'm in awe of you. And I'm so grateful that you contribute to this podcast and thank you for being a great classmate and friend and supporter of of this platform i appreciate you thank you sylvia and uh, thank you to uzuhan for use of his song Uzu Trap for the intro and thank you to run river north for their song use of their song pretty lies for the outro stay tuned for that it's an amazing song if you enjoy this and you feel like there's somebody a homie a, a family member whoever that can benefit from hearing me rant about these things uh please do feel free to share it you can find first of all podcasts on all the podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Radio Public. And uh, please do subscribe and leave a five star review. It does help my channel get seen and helps reach more people if they're looking for the content that I'm creating. I really, truly appreciate it very much. Genuinely, for this one, especially because I was so weird about like, should I share this or not? I would love to hear feedback. Uh, feel free to DM me, follow me at, at first of all pod. Uh, my personal page is at Minjeezy, or you can email me at first of all pod at gmail.com. Thank you very much to those who've been emailing me and sharing like how much the podcast means to you. It honestly gives me so much encouragement to keep on keeping on. I I love you guys so much. And I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian-American podcasters and storytellers. Go check out those shows, listen to all those stories. And in the meantime, until the next episode, take care of yourselves, take care of one another. I love you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Been finding love in the worst places. Killed a couple stories off, like I'm not enough. Maybe I lost the plot. Tongue tied around the bit of fruit. Who am I after tasting you? Little fires on the passenger side. I could tell the truth, or I could keep telling pretty lies. Lie. Ugliest way to die. I'll a the story off. I got a new plan. Got talking who's there. I need a new face. at the wheel again. I took an ambient. I love the ambiance. I swear to God, I'm lost. face to the sunset. Back to the sunset. I, I could tell the truth, or I could keep telling pretty lies. I could tell the truth, or I could keep, keep telling, telling pretty lies. Pretty lies. <laughs>